0: Super stoked to have Distro Kids sponsoring the podcast and can't thank them enough for their support of this thing. This episode of the podcast is also sponsored by Produce Row Cafe in Portland, Oregon. This spot offers free live music every Thursday night throughout the summer from 7 p.m. to 9 p.m. and Sunday brunch tunes from noon to 2 p.m. with DJs spinning vinyl Lots of dance parties both day and night are on the summer calendar as well, featuring events from Global Based and other promoters. They are located in inner southeast Portland, and aside from offering free music every week on their patio, they've got a killer brunch menu on Saturdays and Sundays. The migas and the breakfast sandwich are lights out, and the lunch and dinner menu doesn't slack either. Come through and check out some tunes over there at Produce Row Cafe, as well as their new summer seasonal cocktail menu. This is a great spot to grab some food and some drinks and enjoy some tunes with friends or family. Appreciate Produce Row being a supporter of the podcast and the local Portland music community. Now let's start the show. What is happening, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of the Dan Cable Presents podcast. If this is your first time listening, thanks for checking out the show. You can find fresh episodes coming at you every Tuesday. And if you want to help support this thing in a free way, you can do so by clicking subscribe on iTunes. Clicking write a review, giving the podcast five stars if you feel like it is deserving of so. And that will help propel this thing into the tops of those iTunes charts, which will give it more visibility on the national and international levels. Helping strangers find the podcast. Appreciate the hell out of all the folks that have already taken the time to do so. If you're not listening on Apple, just hit like, follow, subscribe, wherever you are listening from. The podcast is available on Spotify, and I've also been dropping monthly playlists there every first of the month. So stay tuned for that July 1 coming at you later this week, available on Spotify and Apple. The links for those playlists will be in the episode notes, so you can keep up with those and hit follow there if you want to know when new playlists hit the feed. Hope everybody is doing well out there. Excited to get into episode 314. Ali Wilding is on the show. And uh, yeah, before we get into that, just a reminder, quick reminder that the new episodes are coming out on Tuesdays now. That's a thing. That's the thing that's happening. So giving that a shot just in case there was any further confusion about what day uh, this podcast actually comes out, we are uh, a Tuesday podcast now. Two weeks strong. That's what's uh, that's what's going on, actually. I think it's been uh, probably about four or five weeks now that we've been a, a Tuesday podcast. But officially, it's been a two weeks since we're a, uh, a Tuesday podcast. Tune in on Tuesdays. New episodes coming at you every week it is uh it's getting real hot here in portland oregon it's been 95 degrees about two days in a row yesterday was amazing went out to round lake which is about 30 minutes from where i live in portland across the river on the the washington side of the the columbia river and there's some uh a very cool trail out there this Lacamas trail look trail i don't know how you say it and, uh, my buddy Ryan and I, we took a little adventure on that trail a couple of weeks ago and, uh, stumbled upon this very cool lake and I went and checked it out this Sunday, brought the paddle boards out there. Beautiful day, jumping in the water off that paddle board, doing some, uh, some stand up paddle boarding, some sit down paddle boarding, all the things laid there on the paddle board. It was, uh, yeah, really nice way to, uh, spend a very, hot day here in the pacific northwest but i am stoked that the sun seems to be a consistent thing again and uh on saturday shout out to mayfly which is a very cool beer bar here in portland oregon in north portland i uh, got to dj there on saturday it was a very fun afternoon gig and they had Holy Trinity barbecue out there and those people were super nice that ran that spot and yeah just a a rad gig so thank you to Mayfly for for having me i would uh I would love to do that spot again very cool afternoon hang so check out that spot if you're uh you know looking for a place to hang this summer in the the Kenton neighborhood of Portland but uh Yeah, things are going pretty all right, and I got Allie Wilding on the show this week, and I got to meet Allie when I was on tour with High Pulp when we went through Washington, D.C., which is where Allie is currently based out of, and she was so rad. We intended to record this podcast while I was in D.C., but tour schedule and me losing my phone a week prior to meeting her did not allow for uh, that to happen, but it was great to meet her there. And we had a chance to talk for a while when we were uh, at the venue in D.C. And she was super kind and just very easy to talk to. So I'm glad that we were uh, able to have the opportunity to chat it up on the mics the other day before she headed across the pond to London, which is where she is spending her summer. And that is where she and I kind of pick up on this chat, which you will hear momentarily but just a a killer chat with Allie for this episode I thought she did a great job of just giving people some insight on uh, her creation process and just uh, her struggles and goals as not just an artist but as a person in general and just had a lot of thoughtful things to say about her growth as a person and her desire to continue to explore that growth so Definitely check out her debut EP, The Love Chord, which is available on all of the streaming services, and I will feature a bunch of music throughout this conversation. If you are here in the Portland, Oregon area and you want to catch some free live music, come out to Produce Row Cafe in Southeast Portland every Thursday night from 7 to 9 p.m. You can catch the Jeff Chilton trio there every first Thursday of the month. Very cool jazz trio. And then every Sunday from noon to 2, there are DJs there spinning vinyl throughout the summer. Check out the Produce Row calendar. The links for that will be in the episode notes. And don't miss me DJing on July 17th at North 45 from 4 p.m. to 6 p.m. on their very cool patio. Another cool sponsor of this podcast that I'm super grateful for and you can check out their calendar in the uh episode notes as well all right we are going to get into episode 314 of the podcast with ali wilding out of washington dc this is the first track off of ali's love chord ep it's called the rough let's do the damn thing
1: store is a mess. I'm packing up. It's hard to pack. I'm going to be gone for the whole summer. So for me, so I, you know, I'm fortunate enough to have a summer break from teaching, but I'm going to be gone for quite a while. So trying to pack for that, one of my suitcases is just all gear and, you know, my push and cables and mics and all that. And then the other is just clothes. And of course, I'm like, well, I might want this shirt or that shirt or that, you know, I got to have cute outfits.
0: (laughs) You got to have options.
1: (laughs) You got to have options. So it's not like a typical the last trip I did. And most trips I've done in the past are like, you know, a week or 10 days. And so I'm like, I'm not planning to wash anything, baby, you know, so it's just like whatever, bare minimum essentials. This is like a little more. It's a little harder to pack for, but I'm, I'm pretty ready. I'm mentally ready, ready to be, be in London.
0: Seems like you're uh, also committed to uh having your gear with you so that you can make some music while you're out there.
1: Oh yeah. Yeah. I don't want to get too uh into like my own shit while I'm there and like not leave the apartment. Cause I know sometimes <laughs> in the summer when I have this time, like last summer when I was putting, like putting the EP together, I, I was in my, this little space for like hours and I can get that way. I can just, just like hours I'll be in here. So I want to actually, you know, see the city, push myself a bit more to just make connections with people, go to jams, hang out, play my horn a lot, which I haven't been, I mean, I've been, I'm always playing my horn, but it's not like my primary thing. Well, I don't know how to say that. It's kind of my primary thing, but it's when you're trying to do all this other stuff, practicing the instrument, sometimes it it ends up being not as much of a priority. So I'm going to be trying to practice, hopefully not annoying the neighbors (laughs) of the place where I'm living too much i'm a little worried about that so uh, we'll see i'm ready ready to do it
0: yeah i mean i think that's also cool like the flip side of you bringing the stuff you know maybe i i totally understand that you don't want to you know get in this mode where you're only kind of digging into making your music while you're in this place that you're not always in and so that you can like make connections out there and have like experiences. But it also, uh, it's always kind of a bummer when you have ideas for things and you don't have any access to your stuff. So it's cool that you're also bringing it in case the, uh, you know, the inspiration really happens while you're out there and you're like, I have to, I have to do this.
1: Right. Right. I'm thinking that'll be some routine for me as well. Just kind of like spending some time to, just make music and have some ideas. I'm even taking like a little class while I'm out there on mixing and mastering production type stuff that I think will be helpful. It's like at a little community college type situation, but it sounded, I don't know, something to give me like a little bit of structure. uh, I thought would be kind of nice.
0: Yeah, for sure.
1: And, you know, again, I hope I can, I do hope I can, just get a sense of like what the vibe is like. And if it's somewhere that I might want to be in the future, that's really the goal. So I'm trying to be present.
0: Yeah. Is it, uh, the idea of showing up to a jam with your horn, is that exciting to you or scary? Do you, is that stuff that you've like done a, quite a bit in the past?
1: Uh, it's, it's exciting. It's a little scary. I have done it a bit, definitely like a bit in the past. I, I come from like a jazz background. So like jams and, you know, playing in that context where you don't necessarily know the, the people you're playing with. That's kind of something that I, that I, I grew up kind of doing a bit more, but I'm, but I, one of the things why I really am interested in London is that there's, there's a, it seems like there's a lot of jams that are kind of more fusion-y. It's not just like the straight ahead stuff. So if it were just pure straight ahead, I don't go to the straight ahead jams here in DC because I am like super intimidated by it to a degree. And also it's just like not entirely like my, my jam. So there's a lot more of like fusion situations there. So there's, there's more soul and R and B and it just seems like there's kind of a nice like hip hop stuff. So we'll see, but that's one of the, that's one of the, uh, the goals is to put myself out there a little bit more, to be a little bit uncomfortable. So, uh, I'm, I'm, I, I, I think that the only way I'm going to get something really out of this experience is if I do put myself out there a bit more. Uh, so that's sort of how I'm thinking about it. If I just expect to just, oh, I have a apartment and like magically london and this music scene will emerge i don't think that's gonna i don't think that's a reality yeah yeah for sure. you know i've gotta like be a little bit more assertive or something like that just put myself out
0: yeah it seems like that's kind of like the only time that things like really happen like if you're if you're wanting to Absolutely. like pursue something you know it's like often sh- just like showing up for the thing
1: hmm yep yeah
0: do you think that there's like i don't know when you're talking about those particular jams in london and feeling like maybe there's a little uh i don't know more freedom i guess in like some of the music that they're playing do you do you ultimately feel like that creates like a different mindset and maybe like they're a little less like those particular environments are a little less judgmental of the the playing like as far as you speaking to like maybe the intimidation factor of going to a jam in dc where it's like a little more straight ahead they're just playing a bunch of jazz standards
1: playing a bunch of notes um but yeah i mean i think i mean again this is like totally just based on you know videos i've seen on youtube or instagram social media whatever It The crowds seem a little bit more diverse. There's definitely more women, it seems, which is cool. Like more women uh, playing jazz or just, just there or around. You know, I think sometimes there's some of the jams, definitely a lot of the jams I went to kind of growing up or, you know, as I played jazz music here, like lots of guys, lots of dudes. And it turns into this sort of, You know, who can play the fastest, who can play the most notes, who's got the biggest, you know, I mean, without it's a, it's that, it's that energy. And, and then I, I, I just, I, I get a little bit, there's a sense of like, well, I want to feel like I can step up and contribute to that and participate in that. Uh, But at the same time, I'm sort of like turned off by it. Yeah. So I do get the sense that maybe like there's, I don't know, I feel like there's something going on over there. It's been written about like at this point, who knows like where the scene is now kind of like coming. I mean, we're still in the pandemic, but I mean, at least pre-pandemic, a lot of the energy, you know, London, people were kind of talking about the jazz scene there, but I was just finding like a lot of the bands that I was drawn to and everything, they were, just like nine out of 10 times they were just London bands. So, or UK bands. And I was like, what is, what is this? So for the past couple of years, I've just been like, I eventually I want to get over there. COVID came, pandemic came, couldn't travel. So now I'm finally just like, all right, I'm going to go, I'm going to check it out. I'm going to see what it's like. And I, and I do, I, I do get the sense that there's just like a little bit more openness over there. But that could just be my like fantasy imagination of things, you know. I could have totally like created this idea of like, oh, it's this musical paradise. Yeah. Um, but that's why I'm going. We'll see for
0: sure. Yeah, we talked. We actually talked about that a lot on the the High Pulp tour about the Mm. energy that is in a lot of those uh, jazz jams and how it can often be a bunch of. you know, a bunch of people that went to music school for jazz and there's a lot of big dickin' that like in uh yep. se- seems like is happening like in those rooms, which is oh, yeah. uh yeah, it just really doesn't align with like the spirit of jazz. Like that was <laughs> as like not the you know, the point. Right. And uh yeah, I just don't uh, it's it was it was interesting getting to like for me to get to just witness some of those jams, but also get kind of like the insight of a bunch of players that sometimes identify as jazz musicians, like as far as like some of the players in high pulp, because like, Mm -hmm. I don't come from like that angle of it as like an observer, you know, like I, I, I don't know, I have a deep appreciation and I play some guitar myself, but definitely nothing like in that realm of things. It's more, you know, songwriting based. And uh, so I can always like appreciate the technicality, but to like also have these folks like around me to be like, yeah, but this is also happening. And there's all this energy in the room that like Mm. I'm not always necessarily like cognizant of, I guess. So,
1: Mm. Yeah. I mean, I, I, a lot of things come to mind hearing you say that, but I just, I think I didn't go to school for jazz, um, or music. And, um, I feel like I have this sort of, uh, just like emotional, spiritual kind of connection to playing music and, and have always been really drawn to jazz and I've played in like different jazz settings, But I feel like there's this, particularly here in the States, I don't know as much about overseas or in the UK or whatever, where like jazz school, I feel like almost creates this kind of cookie cutter idea of like, this is what a jazz musician is or what a jazz musician should be, so to speak. And I I don't know. I just feel like a lot of these musicians I hear, I'm like, they sound exactly the same to me. Like, I'm not really like, they play really well. They know all the licks, they know all the, the vocabulary, but like, I don't, I don't, it doesn't connect with me. And I, and I also feel like for jazz, for a lot of people, his, maybe not historically, but I think recently a lot of people like, don't, they see jazz as this being like this very esoteric thing and this very sort of like I think about a lot of my friends and stuff growing up, they're sort of like, they don't necessarily get it or they, you know, they feel like they have to know more about music in order to listen to it or appreciate it. You know, it's like at a distance, it's almost like museum piece, like classical music, or it's become this thing. So that's why I feel like there's this big movement lately, you know, and high pulp, I think is part of it. And, and um, you know, certainly lots of these bands and, in. in the UK where it's, it's embracing a lot of other sounds and genres and feelings and bringing a lot more people in. Uh, And, and I, and that, that's what resonates for me. That's like, that's some powerful shit right there is when it's, it's not just like we've got to be the jazz police and stick to this exact, you know, (laughs) this this way of doing shit you know
0: for sure that doesn't even make sense like again like doesn't really align with the spirit of of things right yeah i it's funny i like i stumbled upon your music because of high pulp and just finding that playlist that they were on and then going through it and one of your tracks was on there and I immediately just, like, added it to stuff that I wanted to keep listening to and then got to hear, like, the full Love Chord EP and was super grabbed by it, like, immediately. It kind of, like, resonated for me in a hybrid of different ways and just kind of, like, connected on... Things that, like, I really dig, like, Tycho and Krongbin and then, like, diving into some of the jazz and hip-hop just seemed like it it had a, I don't know, it was hidden on a lot of different levels, Allie. Like, I was very, uh very into it. And uh I know from reading a bit about, like, some of your intention in making it or, like, how it was sparked was just, like, you trying to... uh create some of those feels of your your childhood and uh, just like some of the feelings of you falling in love with music back in California and like those, those early memories. So I was, uh, I thought we would kind of like start there as far as like what's uh, what are those early memories? Like what do you remember about falling in love with music as a kid?
1: Mm. Well, First of all, thank you. Thank you so much about um those those kind words about about the EP. Yeah, I think it's funny cuz I I feel like I fell in love with music through playing jazz and through like improvising improvising music. That's not where that wasn't really like my entry point into music, but that was uh really where I started to feel like connected to it in this like deeper, deeper way, I guess. And I was making it as opposed to just experiencing it. And simultaneously those, all those sort of feelings are kind of caught up in this period of like where I was living and this really sort of special place where sort of like the edge of the, the San Francisco Bay, uh, on this like lagoon, And all these like marshlands and and wetlands and kind of like the landscape there was super evocative for me. Uh, A lot of open space, these like blue oak trees, just like gorgeous, really lush landscapes. And uh, I feel like kind of uh, that was sort of what I was tapping into as I was making the record, thinking about uh, this, this, this particular place. But yeah, I mean, I got into, I guess... I got to that point of playing jazz, I think I sort of had a, maybe a different way in than a lot of like my friends and and others. And that my dad is, um, is from the UK. He's, he's from Manchester. So, and my mom also, you know, was a sort of a vocalist, like appreciated music. So their record collection, their music collection was, was quite different, I think, than, uh, a lot of my peers, like there was not any. I didn't know classic rock. I didn't really know what that oh, was okay. <laughs> until, like, I was in high school. That was when I first started to hear all these, like, Journey and all these other bands. I was like, "What the fuck is this?" Because <laughs> I had been listening to uh, Stevie Wonder or um, like Donna Summer. Oh, okay. Um, some of these disco sort of BB King. Um, blues, my dad was like super into blues. So I was like, Bonnie Raitt was, you know, a big influence, I guess you could say. So I was like, that was what I was kind of hearing was uh, much more jazz, soul, RB, disco, mostly African American, Black artists, and Black music in general, jazz, obviously, all that. So that was a huge, that was sort of like what primed me, I think, in a lot of ways for my connection into starting to play jazz and uh, played piano for a little bit. I don't know why my parents put me into piano when I was in like third grade, maybe just to like have some musical exposure or whatever, but I did not like it at all. I hated it. I hated going. It felt very like rigid, kind of like coloring inside the lines almost how I've, I've thought about it. If I just, I was like, this is not, there's nothing. There's nothing for me here. So I stopped doing that. Uh started in clarinet. Then in middle school, moved into playing the sax and eventually like got into the jazz band. My school had a jazz band. And that was sort of where my connection to it really started to, to kind of take off.
0: What about when you were playing the clarinet? Did it did it feel like at least a, a step in the right direction? Um away from the, the piano or did it feel kind of similar?
1: I remember feeling just like really competitive about it. Like I just wanted to be the best clarinet player. It wasn't. So I don't think so. I was just like, I need to play. I need to be the top clarinetist. I don't know why why I was competitive with that. Maybe I was just, I've always been competitive. I don't know, but, uh, I felt like, yeah, I, it was, it was better. Like I, I liked it. I liked it better than piano, but that could have just been because that was like, I don't know if you took, you did like band in elementary school or whatever, but there were all these, you know, you were you're were playing with kids, you know, in your, in your, there was like a room of clarinetists and flautists, flute players, whatever. We were all just like in the room and the brass would go in the other room. Of course it was super gendered. You know, all the girls were in the clarinet and flute room and it was mostly boys. uh, You know, so there was a lot in the, in the trumpets and trombones, but I, I like the community feel of that. I like the community feel of that for sure.
0: When you first started playing the sax, was that, did that speak to you pretty quickly a lot differently than the other instruments then?
1: So when I started on the sax, uh I remember they get, I got a tenor sax just because they needed tenor sax play you know they needed more tenors in the band and uh I remember the case was like huge I felt like I I remember feeling like I was carrying around like a the casket of like a small child and I could <laughs> sit on it like a bench and I just it was so heavy but I like the smells of like instrument cases and all that sort of. It's just a very, uh, just like that, the brass and the the wood and that. Like I did like that. It felt old. I kind of always like these like old things, so I did like that kind of uh, feel to it. Um, so I I played, and again, I was lucky that I got into this band. I was the, the school where I was they happen to have this really super uh, successful jazz director and program. And like, they would play different festivals and stuff like that. So uh, yeah, I just happened to uh, be around that. And, but I, I kind of sucked at soloing, at improvising. And I just remember that summer between sixth and seventh grade, Going home and putting, I don't know if you've heard of Jamie Abersold, but it's like, it's like a method program for essentially just like learning jazz standards. It'll just be like this rhythm section. And my set, I had a sax teacher who was actually the director of the band. And he said, you know, just like practice with this. And I would just sit for hours that summer, just playing like this rhythm section And, and uh, alone just playing and I started to get a feel for it. And that's when I really was like, oh, this is, this is powerful. Like I have ideas, I can play like whatever I want. And some notes sound kind of good and others don't. And so I was, that was really my introduction. And I came back in seventh grade and I was like a different player. And, you know, suddenly I could like you know play solos and everybody was like whoa who is this who is this and uh yeah i just sort of took off from there i guess you could say
0: yeah do you feel like that was kind of the point where you were like maybe not just trying to be competitive or like really good at your instrument for that reason and actually like you were kind of like chasing this feeling that you had experienced through mm-hmm. the music
1: yeah i mean i was chasing a feeling I will say like, there's this competitive piece too, though, you know, like once you, and that's something I'm still kind of trying to like untangle for myself, just in terms of like people, uh, when you're performing and you know, you're playing a solo and you step up there. Uh, I don't know, maybe it's something too about me being, you know, female, but like people will respond and they'll come up to me. And they, from the time I was Young, and I would do take these solos and stuff. Uh, they would say stuff like, Oh, the, you know, that was so good, or you're so talented, or whatever. You almost become like addicted to that feeling of that acknowledgement yeah. and that validation externally from other people. And so, I felt this real personal like love and something like beyond that, but like also the fact that there were people that were praising me for it and and that validation piece it it adds to sort of my complexity my complex relationship with music that I'm still trying to kind of to sort through
0: yeah I think that's always like I don't know I think having some competitive nature is not a a bad thing to uh, you know fuel some of the fire but like as far as that summer like what do you and I know that it's always an evolving thing of you know you never really have anything art wise, like really figured out. But do you recall like what it was that you kind of did figure out that summer? Or do you think it was like a lot of it was just understanding if you put a lot of work into this thing and you were disciplined about your playing that that would equate to getting better?
1: Mm. Honestly, I have found some parallels between like what I have been doing since I've been sort of focusing on my like solo work or my own musical vision or whatever, whatever we want to call it. And like the feeling that I had like that summer. And obviously once I started to like play more and more, which is just sort of this, it is, it, it's this pure just freedom and release and love of playing and creating music. And that like high almost that you get from just making music just because you love to make music and there's no other BS. There's nothing. It's just this like beautiful thing that you that you have. And sometimes, you know, then it goes out into the world, whether you're performing or whether you release it or whatever. And then suddenly you have all this sense of like you can have a sense of like judgment or comparison or whatever that I feel like I battle that, you know, a lot. And I don't know, that's, you know, a whole other topic, I guess. (laughs) But uh, I do think that the lessons that I learned there was just mostly that, like, I have this special, uh, I don't know, relationship or whatever you want to call it with this creative musical experience and uh, I need to honor that, you know, and it's really like I love making just making music and uh, sometimes just like I guess what I'm trying to say is the most beautiful uh, experiences can really be when I'm just like alone in a room creating stuff for myself. You know, I get super excited, like get goosebumps or my heart will like race. I'll just be like, this is, this is, this is just pure joy and love and whatever emotion, whatever emotion it is that I'm channeling, you know, and then you have to deal with all the other like inputs that come in from judgment or what other people say or comparisons.
0: Do you think that's like what came out of love chord? Like a lot of just you playing in solitude. And making this record kind of by yourself and and having those moments of, you know, getting yourself excited and inspiring yourself to create all these different layers.
1: Yeah, I mean, I for me, this was this was like a project that really makes me feel like uh, I'm on like this journey of sort of self-discovery and self-realization and I'm learning these like lessons along the way and uh absolutely like it also I feel like has given me some of more of that confidence in my own vision it's not like obviously like totally worked out or anything like that right but it has helped me to like follow through and finish things too because a lot of stuff that I've worked on in the past I feel like I just hadn't maybe fully finished uh or it I, it had been a long time since I had finished things and so I got I got some discipline uh in creating this project and saying like I'm going to just I'm going to finish it I'm going to polish it I'm going to make it you know as good as I could make it without totally losing my uh momentum i guess because i think a lot of people just it's the finishing that's that's really really hard and you get it so in (laughs) your head about it you know and it just doesn't it doesn't people don't don't finish even though they may have like so many great ideas yeah
0: Uh, i'm definitely like one of those people where i have to like i can't set something aside (laughs) (laughs) Or it's not going to get finished. You know, it's like, all right, I need to just continue to uh, chip away at this thing until it's complete or it's probably not going to get completed. Right. Right. Yeah. And I don't know, like listening to the music, though, it's uh, like it does feel like it's exploring something. But to me, it also feels like there's a clear vision. You know, it doesn't feel like it's just like wandering off into nowhere necessarily you know
1: yeah I th- I have lately I've been thinking about it like sort of uh, I was talking to somebody else about kind of like how I approach music sort of like a writer and like writing and to me and a lot of the like the process of actually creating uh, an album like the way that I created is in a sense just again alone in a room t- testing out all these different sounds and trying these different things it's a lot like writing and creating sort of like a world. Yeah. With you know, building a world and i and i love that, but i do feel like when i listen to this, the focus is really on and i think that's why i also have the connection to back home. It's like it's like setting, right? It's place. It's landscapes, it's soundscapes. It's it's a mood, it's a vibe, it's a feeling. That's kind of i think that might be like the base what I really uh, am drawn to musically. And so I feel like my next challenge musically is to kind of, you know, not to say that there isn't like, there aren't, there isn't like conflict or characters or whatever in the music, but it's this idea of creating a song so that and creating compositions that maybe have more, more conflict or more, you know, tension and release or again, how can I add characters? How can I add, you know, just additional complexity, I guess, to what it is that I'm that I'm trying to say or do uh, musically, if that makes sense. I don't know. Again, I'm still still trying to work things out. I'm still trying to like keep I just see music as this vehicle for me to continue to like grow as a as a person and continuously like improve who i am in all these different ways i guess
0: seems to be like pretty present which is cool that you're able to capture that through music that doesn't have necessarily you know a vocal narrative and I think that's like a very powerful thing when you have the ability to do that like I, I think like one of my big takeaways listening is just that I think that your ear for things is like so good like everything just feels like Like mix wise, it feels like it's in the right place and nothing is like super invasive, but everything is, is present and, you know, speaks when it needs to speak. And there's just like so many cool little layers happening, like throughout the tracks. And it just seems like there's patience to like, let those things build. And like I said, you know, like it, uh, it's exploring, but like it, still like always feels like it's has a vision to me like it's tied to something
1: yeah thank you
0: so like when did you start messing around with other instruments did you feel like like throughout high school did you just spend a lot of time trying to uh perfect your craft in some way on the on the sax did that just become the constant for you during uh like those sort of formative years that you were consistently kind of in your room, annoying the neighbors with your, your sax playing?
1: Yeah, I mean, the sax was like my consistent, was my consistent thing kind of through high school. The high school that I went to, it was a private school. I had previously gone to public school. Uh, my parents are public school teachers. Private school was like a whole other, whole other world. But I I was able to go because somehow my jazz director knew the jazz director at the high school and somehow I was able to get like a bunch of financial aid to go there, but it was a very academic school. And so while I was like music was, it was there, there were some really incredible players there, but the focus really wasn't on there were, I mean, there were far better schools to have gone to for music if that was, You know, what I really wanted to do. And uh, so I was always feeling like, oh man, could I be getting a better musical education in these other places? Probably. Do I need to go there? I don't know. There was just like a lot of questioning. But yeah, I mean, the sax was like, it was always there. It was always, it was ever present for me. And it was, it was just kind of how people always knew me, I felt, and identified me. It was like, I'm the musician, I'm a sax player, that's how people just you know saw me and how I and which again was like a thing. Identity is like a, is is an ongoing theme for me. Like how yeah. am I seen? How do people see me? Like how do I represent that? Yeah. Big fixation for me and led me after like college essentially to kind of like not even play sax for a while because I was like this is how people see me and I need a break from how people see me. But uh, yeah, I mean, I tinkered a little bit in high school too with like guitar and was like doing some like self-recording on like a, a two track. um, I don't even know what it is. They, they sell these things. People are doing some really cool things with like cassettes and recording stuff. And I've seen like what it is that I had. And I probably just like, my mom probably put to like a thrift store or something like that. <laughs> yeah, it's now sure. they're now selling for like a lot.
0: Such a bummer.
1: <laughs> yeah. So that's, I think about that, but yeah, I was doing that, uh, you know, uh, was definitely messing around with some things in, in, in high school, but mostly just uh, jazz stuff in combos. Like we had small groups. So that was kind of my big focus in high school was just small groups and going and forming little duets where we'd go play parties. And, you know, so I was playing like kind of making little money here and there from the time I was like pretty young playing for like rich people or playing for the school, you know, just like I'm expected to go play for these parties and yeah just get up there. And that was uh formative as well being like the scholarship kid playing for rich people at this <laughs> private school.
0: Uh, yeah. Yeah. Was there, always, there was always uh seems like there was always some like desire though, to, you know, be able to record these ideas that you, you had not just express them alone in your room, but be able to kind of like listen back to what you were playing and have some, uh, I don't know, just to be able to layer those ideas and try to add to them on your own.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And I hadn't realized that until I was again doing this and sort of thinking back was like, "Oh wow, I've actually been doing this for a while even when the 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 point of entry was like much more it wasn't as easy, right? It was much more right. expensive. Um, but as sort of technology has improved, it was it was like as I could afford things, I would get whatever little things I could get to try to, to try to do some of that recording. Absolutely.
0: So like on, uh, on the Topaz track, like that's you playing everything. you're like,
1: the one thing on, on that track is I did, uh, I, I used to play in a blues band with the, with a guy named Steve, Steve Young, great blues musician. So he did the guitar work on that. Okay. So there's like a good, then I sort of sampled it and chopped it up. He probably was expecting me to just leave it exactly how we did it, but I kind of, yeah. But otherwise it's me, some samples here here and there and all that, but um, drum samples, but you know, either the drum programming or the synth work or uh, the keyboard parts or whatever, um, the vocals, uh, that's all stuff that I do.
0: Yeah, that uh, I like that kind of psychedelic, deserty sounding guitar. Like, adds so much cool character to that particular track. Like, it definitely seems to—I uh, don't know—it's it's a different dynamic. Like, it feels like that's explored than anywhere else on on the record. So, it's like a those are some cool moments on that one.
1: See, absolutely, and this is why my next step in my journey my vision is to start to like try to bring more people in to collaborate with to try to bring the music to life in like more of a band format so because I do think I you know I don't necessarily just want to be sitting in my room by myself playing music while I can totally nerd out to that and I like it you know I like playing with other people and the energy from that and the different, different, you know, vibes that other people can bring. Absolutely. I mean, that's really my background mostly. So this is, this is just like the newer, exciting things of just like me bringing my ideas to life, which is just super powerful. I think for anybody, you know, just to bring your own, your own vision out.
0: Yeah. And you like, you clearly have, your own ideas that are solid like and you can hear that throughout the the record but i got it. you know there's always going to be someone else that can maybe hear something that you didn't know was even possible that might like send it to another level that you might love even more
1: yeah absolutely
0: Hey everybody, I just wanted to take a minute to let you know that this episode of the podcast is sponsored by North 45 Pub, located in the Alphabet District of Northwest Portland. They've got a killer selection of Belgian beers and an extensive liquor wall of over 200 bottles. It's summertime and they've got their 45th Parloma on the menu, their play on the Paloma, as well as their staple food item, the rosemary garlic fries, which are easily my favorite thing on the starter's menu, that fry sauce... I don't know what it is, but it's banging, and in addition to the cocktails and the food, they've got one of the best patios in the city, tons of big screens outside to enjoy the sun and all your favorite sports, and the best part is they've also got free live music. You can catch DJs there every Tuesday night from 7 p.m. to 9 p.m., residencies from local artists including Spinach vanport sicko side and wwjp as well as djs and beat makers every sunday from 4 p.m to 6 p.m don't miss local beat makers love jones and free tillman every second sunday and dj slim guini every fourth sunday at north 45 pub now let's get back to the episode so like you know you created most of this in solitude so do you do you have like a person or a committee of people that you like to send your ideas to along the way or are you someone that likes to kind of like hold these things closely to you until they are finished or nearly complete
1: I mean I I've had different approaches to that I am the type of person that immediately wants to have other people listen to stuff that I make it I have to like withhold sometimes like, okay, stop. Don't send this immediately off to people. And also like, who am I sending it to? Like all of that is, is calculated in a way. I mean, calculated sounds, you know, sort of nefarious, but yeah, I have, I have a couple of people sometimes that I'll share things with ideas as I go. I have been using Instagram a lot for just kind of that impulse as well to just kind of I want to share something but it's not totally finished and I want to put it out there so I'll put it out on Instagram social media or so- something like that and I'll see how people respond to it you know not always that's maybe not always the best way of going about things because depending on the algorithms like people may or may not hear it and then I can think like oh this is a shit song or idea and like shouldn't do anything with it when really it was like something else entirely but yeah, I it, like for example, like I think I did an early version of uh, castles burning on Instagram, and like people seem to really connect with it. So I was like, okay, you know, let me that that sort of actually helps me decide like what am I going to polish, what am I going to mm. finish. So I kind of let the crowd tell me like, oh yeah, I'm feeling this, I'm not feeling it, or whatever. Uh, so that's been helpful.
0: Yeah, for sure, it's like almost a version of getting to play it in front of an audience live and see how it's yeah. responded to yeah yeah
1: and, but see that also plays into like as much as i like the like sort of pure experience of playing music alone like there's still this impulse to just like perform to share it to have people respond to it and you know if people don't respond to it you know sometimes i have to say like i'll get you know like i'll start to feel bad about myself and then i have to just be like no that's stupid this isn't about that You know, I think that's probably normal artist kind of stuff. Yeah, for sure.
0: You know,
1: I don't think I'm alone in it, but, you know.
0: So what do you think, like, ultimately, you know, you talked about, you know, there's been a lot of ideas over the years that maybe you've explored but never really actually completed. So what do you think kind of inspired you to actually complete this collection of tunes and, like, follow through with putting them out?
1: honestly covid like lockdown having being at home having more time uh i was teaching virtually or remotely or whatever so i would have time to from this very room that i'm sitting in right now so i would teach a class and then you know do what work i needed to do but i had a little bit more time in my in my schedule to just kind of like practice and I was, I started walking. That was a huge thing. Uh, like walking like a couple miles every single day. That was really, that's, and that's become like a a, a ritual for me. It's sort of meditative and just like became much more disciplined. I think my problem before was always like just finishing, just having the discipline and, and, and confidence. And of course, some of these other, these other things, but I always felt like I have to I have to do this. I don't, I, I I don't, sometimes it was a writing project. Sometimes it was a music project. I never could really put a finger on what this was, but I felt this just desire to create. And then I would get frustrated because it was like, oh, I, I don't feel like I'm, people are seeing this or this isn't what I, you know, this isn't really, I, I haven't followed through and I'm finally feeling like I'm kind of tapping into something of like, whatever this is. And again, it's just me being creative and like following that path and trying to just like, listen to myself and, and pick up all the lessons I can along the way. It's kind of woo woo, kind of like my California side (laughs) coming out here, but I don't know. Like, I just, I'm just feeling really, really good, challenging, good energy coming from all of it. So uh, as horrible, obviously, as COVID has been, I do feel like for me, the other thing I should say is I was playing in tons of bands before. Yeah, I was like burning the midnight oils. I would go to these like rehearsals. I was in tons of bands. They were great. I was learning a lot of songs, doing a lot of stuff I hadn't done before, playing with different people. It wasn't jazz stuff. It was like classic rock, Americana And, uh, and other things, you know, but I would, I would be up at rehearsals and gigs and, you know, then I would have to wake up at 5am and go to work and I was just like a zombie. And I wasn't also doing any of my own stuff. So this has really forced me to be like, what is it that you want to say? What are you, what is, where is you in all of this? Where is me? Where am I? (laughs) Like, so so that's been powerful, just like listening to that, you know.
0: And were you having opportunities to play on anybody else's recordings during that time where you're playing in a lot of bands as well?
1: These were all like super just like DIY, but like DIY, almost like boomer folks. Like, you know, so there there wasn't a lot of like recordings. Yeah. It was we were we were playing at like, you know, the golf clubs and golf Bar courses bands. and restaurants and VFW. Yeah, for sure. I got you. So so they they were not they were like, our kids are gone. Yeah. Where <laughs> <laughs> we have extra time for the most part. You know, like so, you know, I other projects I was in, we we that could have done more of that. They we never even they never again, it's like a discipline thing, you know. So yeah, no, I've been able to do a little bit more in the way of collaboration like since uh you know putting my stuff on instagram or releasing the ep and that kind of thing like more people are sort of like wanting to collaborate or which is which is super cool because it's something that i just didn't wasn't able to do a lot before
0: yeah i would imagine like putting the record out now too like people can really hear like what you're voices as a, a musician yeah. and an artist and like see what your capabilities are and like it's kind of uh I'm sure a cool reference point to be like, oh like this seems like someone I could make a track with or right. that I wanna write with. So like now that you've put the record out and like had some time with it kind of being out in the the universe in the world, do you feel Like there was something missing from maybe just being a role player in other people's projects and like
1: Mm.
0: not having that solo experience. Cause like, I guess that, uh, at a certain point, like you, you got all this time to dedicate just to like playing your music. Did that like immediately feel completely different than the time that you were spending learning cover songs or just like these other people's original songs
1: Hmm. i i have i really have no regrets like they were all it's all been like learning experiences and growth in different ways learning different things and and uh but i will say my philosophy before was for at least for a while like once I started there like there let's say there was like 2 years pre-pandemic where I was like starting to play more again after having some gaps and doing some recording here and there but like very sort of spotty I would say yes to all these groups and projects and now I'm certainly a little bit more selective I think about how I'm going to spend my time and what I want to do and, and all of that. Like, how is it going to serve me in a way? Uh, Like, how is it going to, how how am I going to grow from this experience? Um, Or is this just like a fun thing that keeps me playing? Or is this just, you know, like, what am I, I'm just thinking a little bit more critically, I guess, about what it is that I, that I get involved in. But like, I don't know, all the bands, as I said, like they're, whether it was classic rock or, Motown band that I played with in Baltimore like a decade ago. Like, I, I, you're, uh, you know, you're learning new tunes, you're learning new things, you're, you're working with other people. All of that stuff, I think, is, has helped my musicianship for sure. So it does, I guess, make me think a little bit differently about my approach. And like, when I'm, when I agree to a project, I think there's, in the past, I've always sort of been like joining another person's vision. Yeah. And, you know, so like how do I become the person where I bring my vision to others, right? Mm. And like how do I make that happen without losing myself in that? Because I can definitely be the type of person that's just like I'm going to be chill. I'm just going to go with the flow here and going with the flow is fine if you're a role player but it's not it's not always fine if you're trying to like say like this is what i'm trying to do and just so much of my life i think has been a little bit about just like you know accommodating myself for other people right minimizing myself for other people being like less of a presence musically or just like with regard to my sexuality, being queer, like there's so many overlapping things that I've learned as I've done. This. this is why I say it's just like this, such a eye-opening experience of like putting this together and just thinking like, where do I go from here? But yeah, that's a huge part is just like, how do I allow myself the space to, and freedom to like make the music that I want to make, but how do I also bring other people into that and not, totally lose myself in somebody else's vision for who I am or what, what it is that that they want to do. I mean, again, they may not be, you know, it may be like a a fantastic project where I like fit perfectly. Right.
0: For sure. Yeah. And like, where were your self recording skills at when you kind of started this project and do you think that they like really evolved and like got like, like improved? throughout the the whole situation like did you mix this by yourself as well
1: yeah so I want to I'll talk a little bit about that my self-recording so a lot of what I'm doing is just I'm kind of just again like using my ear trying to see sort of what sounds good what kind of effects I want to have on things I try not you can go down the rabbit hole of YouTube tutorials and everything else I tried to not let too much of that get in the way but I have been doing some self-recording like I started out I don't know like over maybe back in that era where I was playing with the Motown band I was just so I've been doing it for a while but not mostly that was just like here's music like I've trying, I'm trying to make music that I can play with because I don't have a band to play with like that yeah. was what like I didn't get into it because I was like oh I want to produce music it was more just like I don't have people to play with. So like, I better make some music yeah,
0: yeah.
1: <laughs> like so that I can play with that. But uh, so I've like learned a little bit, but for this project, I, again, some of the self, I think some of the self doubt and like what was holding me back was like, I didn't feel like my, it was going to sound professional enough, like my ability, like I did. So I did like, a, a, the, I got the mix, like as close to what I wanted it to be as possible. And, but then I was like, I need to, I probably just for my own feelings of like, did I need to do this? I don't know, but I felt like I wanted to make it just sound as polished as possible. So I found, uh, I felt strongly about finding women in audio production and audio engineering. And I found, um, a woman named Daisy Edwards in London, incidentally, and she uh, she and I kind of collaborated and she she kind of did the mixing, got it just to like she sort of helped me to complete the the vision there mixing wise. And then I had another person, another woman uh, in Seattle actually master it. And I don't regret doing that, even though at least on the mixing side, I feel a little bit like, again, it's like, well, I didn't, you know it was mixed by daisy so i don't know i'm still in the learning phase so hopefully i'll be able to mix my own projects fully in the future the mastering side i probably will still have somebody else master it
0: yeah i mean i it seems like you at least you know crushed getting uh some solid stems to uh you know out of the recording so that's like i don't know if you can accomplish that part it seems like you're in you're in pretty good shape. And I would imagine like all the stuff you're kind of doing with the, the drum machine stuff is like a part of that has to be mixing in some way when you're instituting like those types of things into your production. Like you got to have some sort of like initial year for that.
1: Yeah. I mean, I do a lot. I put all the effects, I put all the, I do all of it. And then I send. I probably like for this for for this uh, particular for the EP, I would send various versions, really specific. Like this is what I want. This is the reverb I have on it. This is what I have. To me, it was like I wanted a professional, essentially, who kind of uh, had actually spent more time studying, you know, sound to just polish it to make it sound like as good as possible to like help that vision to help the sack sort of stand out and sparkle a little bit and, and all that stuff. So, but yeah, that's part of what I'm doing this class. When I go to London, I'm going to just take this, this little class that's designed to kind of help me to, to work on those skills. But that, yeah, that gave me some confidence to actually like put it out there.
0: And was like diving into the the drum machine, like having all the looping stuff going on, like a pretty big game changer for, just your creation process in general?
1: Yeah. Well, I mean, I don't know, like working in Ableton has been like a big game changer for me, sort of in general. Like the different I don't know if you've ever worked in Ableton, um, or any of your your listeners, but this whole idea of kind of being able to not just have like a linear view, um, and you know, maybe different uh DAWs or or audio audio editing softwares allow you to do this but I do think there's something unique about Ableton where you can like trigger different clips and you know to have the push which is an instrument where I can like record a clip chop it up trigger different clips play it sort of in real time play things over it record those I mean just all of that um that has definitely been a game changer for me because I love sampling I love all of that associated stuff. My drum, my drum programming is like definitely an area of growth. I feel like I like messing around with it, but, but I know a lot of like beat makers, like that's what they really are into and what they do. But again, so many areas of growth I've, I've found in, in, in ma- in this process.
0: And that's like that piece of gear that I'll see you play like if on the, in some of those live videos.
1: Yeah. It's like the, sort of like this it's a midi midi controller and basically yeah. you can you can put like your entire set in there and which i'm kind of trying to learn how to do a little bit and you know trigger like different scenes that will play specific clips at specific times and you can decide how long they go for or when they're coming in and out you can live loop so that's like also the next frontier for me as well is like doing more live looping performances and like mixing that in also with like uh lot other live instruments like drums or you know a guitarist or something like that
0: yeah it's uh i love watching people get down on the midi controllers and the npcs like i always find that to be so engaging and just to like see that happening in the the live form and i don't know i think listening to the record like along with you know i spoke like just of how it hit me like on a, a lot of different levels and kind of resonated with a lot of things that I enjoy. And like one of those things is the beatmaker scene. And I just feel like there's moments on some of these songs where like, that's what I enjoy about it. It feels yeah. like I'm, you know, just listening to this, uh, this producer that I dig, you know? Right. And, yeah. uh, Night Heron. That's like one of my favorite tracks on the, on the EP. And uh, the opening is killer, like, with the piano and everything. But I think one of the things I really appreciate, like, consistently throughout a lot of the tracks is, like, your use of the vocal as an instrument and just kind of chopping it up and never never necessarily, like, using it as, uh, as a narrative for mm-hmm. it. It's just, like, these things that you can't really decipher all the time, like, what they are saying or like if they're saying anything they're just like very cool textures out there is that something you like messing with like quite a bit
1: oh yeah that's i realized too like as i was listening back on this album initially i was and and thinking about like genre and all that stuff i was like oh wow that the sampled vocals are in like everything that I do. So if you don't like the sampled vocals, <laughs> it's like, you're sorry. Sorry about that. Uh, but uh, which I'm sure it's not for everybody, you know, Hey, it's, it's but uh, I don't, I don't really like think of myself as a vocalist. You know, I didn't, I, I at all, I, I'm actually like, s- you know, singing, perf- you know, doing live vocals, lead vocals. Like I I've never done, I've done back, backing vocals but uh like a lead vocal i that's reserved for like my private space and private um <laughs>
0: uh,
1: i mean maybe eventually I'll, I'll i'll get there but uh so what i'll do is i'll like sing through a lot of ideas musically i'll try out different maybe i'll be just like have a voice memo um And I'll just record just like a little idea that I'm going to, I think I'm going to play on my saxophone. And sometimes I do, but then sometimes I'm like, oh, this finds its way, it finds its way into the song as a texture. And I chop it up and I sample the vocal. And uh, I love, I just love the human voice as an instrument. It's probably more influential for me as a musician than any sax player would be vocalists, like, and I, and again, it goes maybe back to narrative. And so maybe that's also like, there's songs that are being told through words. And here I am as a musician, and I don't do that at all. I think there's, I mean, I do it a little bit. I write songs and I write vocals sometimes and I perform them. And then I feel like, what am I doing? But that's something too like i hope to either do more vocals i've had people tell me that they like the vocals they sh- that i should do more so maybe i'll do more or maybe i'll you know one of the things i'd love to do is is collaborate more with vocalists hmm, maybe yeah. try some different things i just i think there's so much power in the human voice and i i enjoy using it in in my in my compositions and kind of just getting at some different things so yes you are definitely noticing a production a thing that's like something I do yeah
0: It's one of my favorite parts of the production. Awesome. It's that Thank you. L- layer of things. Um and even in that that extended mix, the video that you have where you're you're playing everything live of Night Heron, it seems like maybe you do deliver some additional lines of vocals in that. And yeah. like I don't know. I got I was pretty like stoked about it. Like, do you see a <laughs> a future in which maybe you do like try to throw down a lead vocal track on something that's a little more present in, in a lead way and not just a chopped up vocal sample.
1: I, I think there's a good possibility, Dan. I think that's, that's, uh that's, there's definitely potential for that. I would like to on the, whether I release an EP. I'm, I'm trying to work on an, an, either a, a full length or a second EP. Hopefully maybe by the end of the year, I'll have dropped something, probably not a full length, but maybe an EP we'll see. We'll see. But the goal is that I do some more singing. I, there's a lot of stuff that I record vocally, like with full lines and lyrics that I just never share. Yeah. So, um, I would, I would like to do that. I really love the interplay between vocals and, and sax. The problem is, is of course hard to do that. Just me personally, without the either like a live loop going on or something else, but I do like kind of a lot of voices and like horns and like how horns work with the voice. I just think there's there's some really interesting beautiful things that can happen there. So, definitely something I'm working to explore.
0: Is that just the uh the writer in you that you're like always writing down lyrics in some form, like whether it's just like a one line here in separate notes or like actually writing something that's like really fleshed out?
1: Yeah, I mean, I I I wrote poetry like a lot when I was younger and I don't write it as much anymore. I I used to, I think process a lot of like emotional difficult things through my poems or through words or whatever and as I've been able to kind of like process, unpack my issues in some different ways, like I find the need for that to be a little bit less. But it's funny cuz like the songs that I write They're always about like a woman being like jilted by like a woman being, you know, fucked over somehow. That's always what I go back to, which I feel like is kind of cliche, but it's, (laughs) uh, I, for some reason, like, that's what I, I always go back to. So I'm trying to kind of move away from that, trying to kind of bring life to kind of more of like the social political issues that I'm interested in, as opposed to just like writing about, Love and heartbreak and loss,
0: because
1: that's where I go to. Because I think sometimes those songs are just the most; those are the things that really hit me the most. Yeah, but I also feel like artists have a responsibility to, like, you know, raise awareness about issues that are important to them, to their identities, or to just, you know, there's so much horrible stuff going on in the world. There's so many things that, you know, I feel like people should be thinking about and engaging with. And sometimes when you're, it's part of the reason why I felt like I'm going to focus more on writing when I was younger, as opposed to instrumental music was because I felt like, I don't know how I can really do good with instrumental music. There's no words, you know, I have to use words. Well now all this time later we're saturated with words and it's music that I find myself just like more drawn to as a way of expression. But I do think, yeah, like how do you bring out those important topics? And so, yeah, I think about those things a lot and, ha- and how to do that as an instrumentalist and always like words, I just poetry, language, language of, you know, English or the language of music. It's just I love the musicality of all of it.
0: Yeah. I think it's like, I don't know, somehow it's almost more powerful without having the direct narrative. Like that seems to be the power of the instrumental music is that like it can hold all of this like meaning to you and like whatever feeling like it was, uh, you know, evoking within you or like whatever you're working out through it, but it doesn't necessarily like impose anything on the listener, but like, that spirit is somewhere in there, like throughout the listening experience, I guess, you know, like whatever you put into it, you know? So it's not, I don't know. There's no, there's never like this moment of like having to like necessarily like wonder what you were speaking about. Like when you said this particular line or getting caught up in those things, which I think is, uh, I think is cool. And also like, I don't know. It makes sense that you uh, are consistently going back to like maybe this point of view of, you know, writing from a woman being fucked over. Like we're talking about we we are speaking like just hours after like this, like the Roe v. Wade thing being turned over, which is like like absolutely like mind blowing. And just like, I don't know. I just think that that is like a very weird particular group of people that like has such a vested interest in uh prohibiting something like that like to (laughs) is just like a whole nother podcast alley but like that definitely like makes sense to me of like why you would be writing from that uh that perspective you know being a woman and like i think being a dude you know the older i get i just like Am consistently shown the light of like, hey, like this is the like fucked up experience of being a woman like anywhere in the world, and like especially here in America right now, just like these constant like battles that you're having to deal with that that I don't like necessarily have to like think about uh, like in certain ways but like I I can't like ignore like what's happening like on a day like today either and so I think like I don't know I think it's rad that you like had also like that intention of like I want to make sure like there's women kind of like all over this record even if it's not like entirely collaborative and just like making sure that you know again, even if there is no direct narrative here, like, it's a woman's voice, and you're, like, just, uh, I don't know, it's, uh, I think it's a cool experience, like, listening to, and just getting to, like, hear, like, about the amount of, like, expression there is for you on the record is very cool, you know, it's not this thing that has... Even if you have that desire to like bring in more players in the future, I think it's like nice that you kind of have like this project at least where it pretty much is all you doing the thing.
1: Yeah, I appreciate that. Yeah, I mean, so many things. It's, it's, uh, it is a very dark day, you know, in terms of that, that news. I was, I was thinking about it. It's like, you know, it's, we knew with the whole draft that came out that was leaked like this was this was likely going to happen i think a lot of people thought maybe it wouldn't but i think i think most women deep down probably knew like this is this is real it's coming and uh you know um this idea of just like fighting and having to fight and i feel profoundly sad today but i there's also just like this rage and desire to like um you know rise up that's that's there and yeah i mean honestly you're right too like just to make it personal with the record it's it's uh really been something like pretty profound for me to just kind of like get in touch with that side of me as an artist and feeling like you know i what, what is it that I want to contribute and, and how do I make that happen? And, and, and how do I do that? And, and there's not a lot of women, frankly, that are, that are out like, you know, producing music and, and, you know, putting stuff out there. There's, there's often, you know, men around somehow that are, I mean, maybe very, very well-intentioned men, um, but maybe not always often, maybe not often, not always. So it's like finding a way as a woman in the, in the world, like, you know, whether it's, whether it's just like advocating for basic rights, human rights, or, uh, like expressing yourself creatively and and trying to have people hear it or just, just putting it out there. Like, to me, making art will always be like a profound act of like, you know, resistance on some level, or as just like staking your, your claim of like, I, I want to be free and I want to have my freedoms and, and all of my, you know, I have, I acknowledge like as a white person, obviously I have lots of privilege in that regard, but as a queer person, as a woman, you know, there, there are definitely things that have, that have, um, you know, shaped my experience and, and I want to continue to like, you know, make my art, do my thing and kind of put myself out there because I think a lot of people would like to have that not be the case so that's 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 just a little bit about why I do what I do but I, I feel like I can't like not I have to do it right yeah. it's just like it's it's uh it's just it's gonna come out you know For Sure.
0: <laughs> I think that's like what makes it real or like makes it I don't know gives it that uh undeniable quality because it just feels authentic you know
1: right right just trying to be authentic you know and be me and and listen to that and just let like my own authentic self out that's really what this this sort of journey has been about from the you know micro to the macro like and I, I want everybody to be able to do that as well you know
0: well you're doing it, Allie. And uh I love the the Love Chord record and I would encourage people to uh to check it out and I'll make sure that all the links are in the episode notes so people can uh can keep up with you and whatnot and check out the check out the record and uh, I know you gotta you gotta get yourself all ready for this for this big London adventure.
1: Yeah, yeah. I'm excited. I'm excited. <laughs>
0: Um, Um, and it was, uh, it was very cool getting to like actually get to meet you while we're in DC and getting to chat with you a bit. It was, uh, I think it definitely like probably made this this experience like more enjoyable just like not having to necessarily go in cold with a stranger which isn't uh you know a bad experience and like i do quite a bit of it kind of doing this podcast but it's always like yeah i just felt like it was cool that we got to kind of break down that initial meeting barrier in person and uh you know like make this a little more comfortable from the get-go hopefully
1: yeah for sure no that was that was awesome hanging and and seeing uh seeing high pulp and that vibe was, was sweet. So yeah, it's uh, great, great chatting with you and uh, just all your questions and, and talking about the record and stuff. I really appreciate it. And thank you for this, uh, the space, the platform. It's amazing for, for myself and other artists too. It's, it's uh, it's incredible really to be able to have, um, you know, uh, something like this where artists can share their their projects and stuff. So thank you.
0: Thank you. I appreciate you, uh, you know, giving me your time. It's like a, it's a fun thing to, to get to do on the regular. That's for sure. Is to get to talk with people that like, like I've been listening to your music now. I don't know. It feels like for at least a, a few months. Like yeah. when did the, that first single come out? Cause I feel like I came upon it like pretty early on
1: yeah i mean that the i put the first single out i put tell me out in uh i want to say it was like november maybe of last year and then castles burning came out in uh january of this year
0: so maybe around around early this year so yeah. you know yeah the last like three four months getting like pretty familiar with the tunes it's always nice for me to like get to understand a little bit more where they're actually coming from. So yeah. I appreciate, I appreciate the hang alley. I hope you have like uh, a really cool experience out there in London and I hope you get to, you know, play a lot and at least meet some people that you might collaborate with in the, in the future or might help unlock a little bit more for you on your, uh, your self-discovery journey. yes
1: thank you so much yeah i'm looking forward to it i think it'll be great so uh yeah it was great hanging chatting and uh thanks again so much dan
0: absolutely we uh i want to play the episode out with castles burning which is the the last track on the love chord ep but uh before we do we end every episode of the podcast alley with the guest saying the tagline for the show which is it's a program." So, um, if we can get the, uh, alley, is it wilding is wilding. Yeah. the la- That's the proper enunciation. Look at that. Uh, if we can get the alley wilding, it's a program. We can properly end it. You can deliver it however you want. It means nothing. It's just the way my grandfather says the news program. He always says program and, uh, it's just become this, uh, this goofy way to, to end the show.
1: All right, folks, it's a program
0: she nailed it everybody that's Allie Wilding you can uh, check out that Love Chord EP available now on all the streaming things wherever you do that you can support it on Bandcamp you can hit Allie with some some dollars there I'm sure that she would uh, really appreciate that for her her travels that are uh, coming about this summer and uh, that's the Jelly Jams and we will catch you on the flip side Portland Portland London, East Coast, Midwest, wherever you're listening from. (laughs) Give a big shout out to distro kid for sponsoring this episode of the podcast can't say thank you enough to distro kid for their long time support of this thing make sure you go into the episode notes and find that distro kid link to receive 30 percent off your first year of membership making their already affordable prices even cheaper for you so make sure you take advantage of that you can also find the link in my link tree in my instagram bio Big thanks to Distro Kid and the other sponsors of the show, Produce Row Cafe and North 45. Stay up, stay tuned.